Hello, and welcome to the Renew Your Thinking podcast series. In a world filled with many different viewpoints and opinions, these podcasts will examine issues, current events, historical events, and cultural movements, all in the light of God's Word. Our goal is to help you as you seek to love and serve God with your whole heart, soul, and mind. In this first series of stories, we will study about some significant historical figures. In the next nine podcasts, we'll talk about women in the Old Testament, specifically the women who were the ancestors of the Lord Jesus Christ. Of course, there was a long line of women who came before Jesus in his family tree. But we'll focus on the stories of the women who are named in the Bible, starting with Eve, then Sarah, Rebecca, Leah, Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, and Bathsheba, and we will finish the series with Jesus' mother, Mary. While telling these women's stories, we'll be taking a trip through the Old Testament. We will see how they fit into God's plan of redemption through His Son, Jesus Christ. Each woman's story is unique and interesting. What they share in common, besides being ancestors of Jesus, is that they were all faithful women. We'll always read the stories directly from the scriptures to avoid confusion and misinformation. I'll be reading from the New International Version of the Bible for those who are following along. Okay, let's start at the beginning. The first female ancestor of the Lord Jesus Christ was, of course, Eve. So, we begin our series where God begins His recorded stories in Genesis chapter 1. What would it have been like to have perfect, unbroken fellowship with God, untainted with sin? Only Adam and Eve knew that privilege. We have fellowship with God, thanks to our salvation in Christ, but it's not perfect like Eve's was in the garden. How tragic that Adam and Eve lost that blessing, not only for themselves, but for the whole human race, each and every one of us, down through history. Mercifully, God promised the restoration of intimate fellowship with Him by sending His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe that the picture of creation in Genesis chapters 1 and 2 is a compelling account of God's creative activity. The creation story is the beginning point for everything that follows in the trajectory of the grand story of God's love for His people throughout the Bible. God refers to His creation and to Himself as Creator over and over again in hundreds of places in the Scriptures. Often when the Israelites turned from God to idols, God reminded them that He is the one who created them and sustains them. God invited them time and again to turn from idols and worship Him, the one true God. The story of the creation of mankind is beautiful and exciting. Adam and Eve were created in the image of God, and God affirmed the goodness of His creation. Unfortunately, there is a controversy surrounding the relationship of the male and the female. Some believe that though Adam and Eve were both created together on the sixth day, a hierarchy already existed with the superiority of men over women. But the picture of creation in the scriptures is truly one of mutuality, not hierarchy. 
Let's dig into the biblical text and get a deeper understanding of the concept of mutuality in the creation of humans, male and female. In Genesis chapters 1 and 2, let's focus on the story of Eve, the first woman in creation and the mother of us all. What might it have been like in the Garden of Eden in the beginning? Imagine, if you will, a perfect world where the first inhabitants of the Garden were kind to one another, and they never had any negative words. Imagine being able to pluck your dinner from a tree without having to labor for it. Imagine, ladies, what it would have been like to be able to have your babies in ease and comfort. Perhaps the scenario would go something like this. Eve might say, Adam, it's time for our child to be born. I think I'll just go over to that nice spot we picked out and wait. Adam would reply, Okay, Eve, you go on over and get ready. I'll go pick us some extra fruit and join you to celebrate the arrival of our baby. The Lord who's walking in the garden comes along and says, Well done, good and faithful servants. You're doing a fine job as my vice regents taking care of the earth. The animals are all happy. Oh, I see that you're about to procreate. That's exciting. You'll be blessed with many children. There's enough food for everyone in this beautiful garden. A short time later, Eve says, Wow, it's a girl child. What shall we name her? Then Adam replies, Honey, you are the mother of all things. You name her. Does this scene sound too fanciful? Is it out of the bounds of possibility? We really don't know what life might have been like for Adam and Eve if they would not have eaten the forbidden fruit. The scriptures don't tell us. But they certainly would have experienced a more fulfilling life with God. While I have imagined the previous scenario of what life would have looked like had Adam and Eve been residents of the garden for the duration of their lives, the story that's recorded in the Bible is the account of God's creation and hopes for humanity. So let's look at what the Bible says. Turn to Genesis 1, starting with verse 26. Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God he created them, male and female he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. We see that on the sixth day of creation, God created mankind. God created humans, male and female, equally in his image. They were to procreate and fill the earth. They were given authority to rule over everything on earth together. God said that this was very good. 
At the beginning of Genesis chapter 2, we read that God finished his creation by the end of the sixth day and then rested on the seventh day. Then, beginning in Genesis 2 verse 4, the narrative circles back and we get more details of God's creation of mankind. This marvelous picture of the formation of Adam from the ground and Eve from Adam's side actually takes place in the middle of the sixth day. It is important to remember that this story enlarges on what we were already told in chapter 1, that God created mankind, male and female, in His image. So let's read in Genesis 2, starting with verse 7. The Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. The Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. In chapter 1, God said that everything was very good. Here we see that he says something is not good. It's not good for the man to be alone. Why might God say that it was not good for Adam to be alone? Well, for openers, he can't procreate by himself, can he? Here might be an appropriate spot for Eve's appearance. But instead, God first brings the animals to Adam for their naming and gives him the opportunity and the authority to name each animal. The Bible doesn't tell us why God decided to parade the animals in front of Adam. Let's just keep reading. Turn back to Genesis chapter 2 and look at verses 19 and 20. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was what its name was. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. This last part of verse 20, but for Adam, no suitable helper was found, is the focal point of understanding how God created and designed the relationship of men and women. People who believe that God created mankind with a hierarchy say that the concept of helper means subordinate. They insist that right from the beginning, women were created only to serve human men. But there's nothing in the Genesis account of creation to substantiate such a claim that women were not created equally with men. Remember in Genesis 1, we saw that God created mankind in His image as male and female. He didn't say there was any distinction in how each gendered person reflected His image. Furthermore, why would there need to be a hierarchy? God was the boss in the garden. There was no need for a human boss at this time. So let's return to verse 20. What would a suitable helper look like? Does helper mean subordinate? The correct translation of the original Hebrew word for helper is ezer, spelled E-Z-E-R. The original Hebrew words for suitable helper 
are Ezer Konegdo. Ezer means a strong helper. Konegdo means suitable. It literally means in front of him, not a subordinate. The word Ezer appears 21 times in the Old Testament. 16 times this word is used for God himself. Some examples are Exodus 18.4, Deuteronomy 33.7.26 and 29, Psalms 20, verse 2, and 33.20, and many others, including Psalm 121, 1 and 2, and Hosea 13.9. Let's look at a couple of these verses in detail. We read in Psalm 33.20, Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help, our easer, and our shield. Psalm 121, 1 and 2, we read, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help, my easer, comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. We would never say that God is a subordinate, would we? No, God is our helper because he's actually stronger than we are and able to give help. Those who insist on a hierarchy in relationships miss the understanding of the power of the helper. Not only is Eve a very strong helper, one that Adam can't live without, but the other aspects of her creation equally demonstrate a relationship of mutuality between men and women, not hierarchy. Please continue with me in Genesis chapter 2, starting with verse 21. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. Here again we need to pause and take note. Some might say that Adam's naming of Eve proves his authority over her, referring back to Adam's naming of the animals. But the Bible doesn't actually say that this is when Adam gave his wife the name Eve. We don't hear Eve's name until they are sent out of the garden in chapter 3. By calling his wife woman, Adam was describing his wife, bone of my bones, not using a name. Why is this distinction important? Adam realized that Eve was part of him, qualitatively different from the rest of creation. God created the animals out of the dust, but Eve came out of Adam. Our brothers who insist that Adam's naming of Eve proves that he has authority over her unwittingly place Eve on the same level as the animals. But that is not where God placed Eve. God created Eve in a special way, apart from the animals. Now Adam can be confident in God's intention for him, since he has his Ezer Konegdo, his suitable helper. Adam and Eve were made to tend the garden together, enjoying all the fruits of their labor, working as one in mind and heart, freely worshiping God with whom they have complete fellowship. A beautiful picture of God's intentions for human relationships and for communion with God. 
Let's just pause and meditate on the true goodness of God's creation. As we digest this truth, there are several other important and interesting components of the story. In Genesis chapter 1, God said He created mankind. Mankind contained Adam and Eve together in some mysterious way. Then, in Genesis chapter 2, we get the picture of the woman being pulled from the man's side. Adam and Eve are two beings, but God says when they come together as man and wife, they are one flesh. What a beautiful picture of marriage. Man and wife are so close that they are one in body and heart and mind. When we dig deeper, we see more beautiful imagery about human relationships. To become this one flesh, the man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. Is that how we do it today? Does the man leave his family? Marriage customs may vary by cultures, but more often women leave their families and join themselves to the man, symbolizing this by taking his name. The children she bears him will also take his name. But Eve's husband, Adam, joined himself to her. Note the order here. God did not put Eve underneath her husband. Adam joined himself to Eve. This beautifully put-together couple were designed to serve God together as His vice-regents over the entire creation. As we move forward in the story, after God established the first couple on earth, we see Eve happily tending the garden with her husband. Eve was ruling over everything with Adam as God commanded. There were no weeds. Eve would be able to bear children with no pain. Adam and Eve had everything they needed for a flourishing life, and they were enjoying perfect fellowship with God and each other. There is no sin yet, but that was about to change. To understand the tragic part of our story, let's turn to Genesis chapter 3, starting with verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will certainly not die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Many of us are already familiar with this story. The serpent, who we know represents the devil, came along and tempted Eve to eat from a tree that she had been forbidden to her in Adam. We could all wish that she wouldn't have done it, but she did. Adam was with her, and he ate some of the forbidden fruit, too. Then they were ashamed and tried to hide from God. Thankfully, the Lord came looking for them and called out to Adam. The Bible tells us what happened next. Adam blamed Eve, and Eve blamed the serpent. God then cursed the serpent. 
In the midst of this curse, showing his great mercy, God also promised the Savior who would come and defeat Satan. God then told Adam and Eve what would happen in the future because of their sin. One of the results of the fall was that the relationship between husband and wife has changed. Before the fall, Adam and Eve were equal partners. Eve could make her own decisions because they would be right and good. After all, she had God right there and she would know what to do because she could talk with him any time she wanted to. When she made the autonomous decision to eat the fruit, she was disobeying God. Adam also ate, and now all human beings would be sinful creatures. Now, because of their fallen sin nature, Adam and Eve would desire to get their own way. Relationships between men and women and their relationship with God have all been terribly distorted since the fall. Now, after the fall, even Adam will not have an easy life. Adam will struggle with weeds as he tries to provide for his family. Eve will have pain in childbirth. Adam and Eve had to leave the beautiful garden with its fulfilling life and complete fellowship with God. We can only imagine how heartrending this must have been for Eve. How tragic to have known sweet peace and fellowship with God in the garden and now have to go out and struggle in a pain-filled world. But remember, God promised a Savior. Eve would have the knowledge that her sins were forgiven and fellowship was restored with God, but not like she had in the garden. As Eve and Adam went out of the garden into the world, they would have struggles, but God would still be there guiding their lives. The scriptures don't tell us much more about Eve and Adam. We know they lived over 900 years and had many children. I believe that Eve repented and put her faith and trust in God. This was evidenced when Cain was born. Eve said, I have gotten a man-child with the help of the Lord. Clearly, she was rejoicing in God's grace, compassion, forgiveness, and promises. It seems that Eve was a faithful mother teaching her children to honor God as best as she could in this now sinful world. There was sadness as sin showed just how ugly it could be when Eve's firstborn son, Cain, killed his brother Abel. The broken relationships from sin are demonstrated between all humans. Husbands and wives, brothers and sisters, parents and children, and throughout the human experience. How painful this must have been for Mother Eve. But God blessed Eve with another son, Seth. We are told that some years later, men began to call on the name of the Lord. Where would these descendants of Eve have gotten the knowledge of God unless it was from their mother and father? And of course Adam and Eve would have had the best knowledge of God since it was firsthand. What a shame they lost that close fellowship and had to live in a world of sin. How different Eve's experiences were from ours while she was in the garden. No other woman will ever be able to experience the beautiful, complete fellowship that she had with God. We're born in sin, and we don't know the complete joy and peace of communion with God that we will have in glory. We will have to wait for that. The story of Eve is the first of our lessons about the female ancestors of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
In our next podcast, we will continue with the story of Sarah, who found that nothing is impossible with God. We hope that this will be a conversation, so please leave us your comments. And goodbye until next time.